Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you a football fan looking for the latest analysis and news on the Jacksonville Jaguars? You're in the right place. Lock and deal, baby. Welcome to the Gen Jag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Move those chains. Here's your host, Jordan. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 44th episode of the Gen Jag Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan DeLugo. I'm joined by my co-host, Scott Klein. We're unfortunately without Hunter Evans today, but he's always here in spirit. He's out coaching again, getting his uh, Creekside High guys ready to go out and play some football. They've been rolling. They've had some weird schedule stuff going on with Hurricane Irma and high school football. and Yeah, Creekside's been doing good. They won't let a hurricane slow him down. <laughs> yeah, it's really great for Hunter, obviously. So go follow him at Coach H underscore Evans. Again, this is the 44th episode. You can follow Generation Jaguar on Twitter, at Generation Jag, all the latest news and analysis. That's really the quickest way to get information, not only from Generation Jaguar, but just in general these days. Twitter is first. Yeah. So Instant gratification. That's where it's at. Yeah, and we get, we get the Jaguar's news out there quick. If we're not writing about it, we're sharing someone else's tweet. So uh, go check us out, at Generation Jag on Twitter. You can follow Scott Klein on Twitter, at ScottKlein1. Follow myself, at Jordan DeLugo. Um, we've got a lot to get into today, Scott. A lot of ugly football was played last weekend. But hopefully this next weekend we can have some London magic like the Jaguars have had over the past couple years and pull out a victory. This episode... As every episode, presented by Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gen Jag podcast. You can check them out at boldcitybrewery.com on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Bold City Brewery. They just announced their date for their anniversary party, which is always one of the best times of the year in Jacksonville. It's over at their original location on Roselle Street. They have $2 pints all day on October 21st. Can't beat that. Yeah. I mean, regular craft beer pints, you're usually looking at $4 minimum. I remember when they used to be a nickel. <laughs> exactly. So, 
Great deals over there, great people, going to be a lot of live music, a lot of fun over there at Bold City Brewery, October 21st for their anniversary party. Speaking of another party, we're going to have a party for the uh, Jaguars London game. We're going to be out at Brick's Tap House at the beach, bright and early, 9.30 a.m. We're going to have the game on, obviously. We're going to have free brunch going over at Brick's. Get some breakfast beers. So, yeah, wall supplies last, obviously. Brunch will be available for free for anyone who shows up, which is awesome, thanks to Brick's Tap House, obviously. And... And it's just always so fun getting up at nine. Well, getting up around eight probably. Yeah. To get out there. For me, I got to leave leave the house by like seven thirty just to make it to the beach. <laughs> yeah. So it's really fun, man. Uh, it's a good time for sure. So hopefully you guys can come out. Uh, if you're looking for more information regarding that, you can check out our Facebook at Generation Jaguar. We've got an event page up for it. I'm, All the I'm, deets are there. I remember last year. I think it was the Bills game. Last year, last year was the Colts. Colts, that's right. Well, e- either the last two years, getting out there, partying at nine thirty in the morning, feeling good, having the rest of the day. Yeah, the game's over at like twelve thirty, and <laughs> yeah. you're like, so what are we doing now? Oh, we get to watch more football. <laughs> yeah, it's just, the the normal day. You is get to just watch the, started. Normally, Jaguars are playing one to four, so you actually get to maybe watch some red zone. Yeah. There's obviously red zone from four to seven as well. Those time games, but there's many, there's way fewer games in mm. that time slot. So one to four is always the best. It red just opens zone up your action. day. It's yeah. awesome. I'm pumped about it for sure. Why can't every game be at nine thirty? I know. I just I just have one just to, <laughs> just to feed. The worst feeling is waking up and knowing you're like five hours away from football. Yeah. No, we're, we're just not antsy for it. Yeah. <laughs> now you got to set an alarm. Yeah, no doubt. Now, before we get hot and heavy into the episode, we'd like to ask everybody to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud, whichever you prefer to use. And if you're on iTunes, please leave us a review. The reviews not only give us great feedback, but they help us out greatly in terms of uh, people being able to find us when they're on iTunes. So, if you enjoy what we do, please do that for us. And again, check us out on Twitter, at Generation Jag, Facebook and Instagram, at Generation Jaguar. And of course, check out the website, genjag.com. All the latest news, analysis, videos, podcasts, we've got it all for you there. So make sure to go check that out. So before we get into talking about Jaguars versus Titans and how disappointing that was, there's been a couple of interesting signings this week by the Jaguars. Monday, they signed quarterback Ryan Nassib, who has a whopping 10 career pass attempts, all of which have been in garbage time, and all of which came prior to 2016. So he hasn't taken a snap in the NFL since 2015, at least in the regular season. Played the first uh, three years of his career in Buffalo, uh, or excuse me, not in Buffalo, in New York with the Giants under Tom Coughlin, and the Giants decided not to bring him back after his third season. He got signed by the Saints this offseason, but the Saints ended up parting ways with him early in September, and he was sitting on the waiver wire for a couple weeks. Jaguars decided, let's add some quarterback competition. They'll say that it was purely a 
signing in case Bortles injury ever develops into anything more. He has a right wrist injury that's not really holding him out of practice at all or games, obviously. Because why wouldn't the team have three quarterbacks on their roster? That would just be crazy not to. Yeah. Right? And looking back, <laughs> you... Looking back, the Jaguars clearly screwed up the Brandon Allen situation because I think everyone would rather have Brandon Allen right now than Ryan Nassib. <laughs> that, that's, that's a dead giveaway to me at the sense of urgency that they're kind of realizing the situation that they're in yeah. now. And again, Marone kind of tried to downplay it, saying, well, we're playing Russian roulette if you have a quarterback go down yeah. out there. Yeah. You're also playing Russian roulette throwing Blake Bortles out on the <laughs> field every exactly. time. <laughs> so, you know, for me, hopefully it becomes a thing where maybe by the end of the season when Bortles isn't playing well, like I presume he won't. He's getting a head start on that. Then NASA could maybe leapfrog Chad Henney on the depth chart and get some playing time, see if he can do anything. Because he gives you the unknown, which that's better than the known right now. Yeah, which see the what known you got. is Chad Henney and Blake Bortles both are hot trash. Yeah. <laughs> Following the interesting quarterback signing on Monday, the Jaguars went out on Tuesday and signed a really interesting wide receiver, Jalen Strong, 2015 third-round pick. A lot of people thought he had borderline first, second-round talent coming out. I thought he was going to be good. And, yeah, I really liked him coming out. He's had his struggles off the field Mm -hmm. and on the field with maturity issues. Uh, He got arrested in March, I believe, of 2016, marijuana possession, Served a one-game suspension for that this year, actually against the Jaguars. So he's a guy that immense talent, but he hasn't been able to get it together on the field. And he kind of reminds me of like a Doriel Green Beckham. They're both really athletic guys that have all the talent in the world. Not quite six five, but yeah, very very similar as. Uh, similar I mean, strong. As... I think is six three or six four though. He's a big guy. Yeah. So, no, I mean they're they're yeah. big body, maybe kind of a red zone threat, maybe bringing something that. Uh, Allen Robinson wasn't the most physical, but he was a big guy who could use his athleticism, um, whereas Jalen Strong. Well, Strong compares to that. Yeah. Like, if he compares to any receiver on the Jaguars roster, it's Allen Robinson. Obviously, Robinson has far exceeded mm-hmm. anything Jalen Strong has done in his career. But in terms of skill set and potential, that's the type of player you would be looking at if he can ever figure it out upstairs. Yeah. So, and it, and it, and it fits, it fits a hole. Like, like you yeah, say. Yeah, the Jaguars yeah. were in desperate need of a wide receiver. Allen Robinson, D.D. Westbrook go down. You're being immediately tested with your depth. And the depth isn't really holding up. Keelan Cole is ineffective at this point. He's been able to get open a few times, but he continues to struggle struggle with drops. He fumbled the ball against the Titans on Sunday. You can't have that. So... In my mind, Jalen Strong's competing for the third spot right now. Yeah. And really competing for the, for the outside spot in nickel sets. Yeah. Or in a, in a three wide receiver sets. Three wide receiver sets, yeah. Because you really like Hearns on the inside, running the slot, get Lee and Strong on the outside. It's better than Cole right now. So hopefully he can come in and prove 
that he can beat out Cole and actually make some plays because this guy actually has made plays in the NFL. Keelan Cole hasn't yet done that. In Strong's first game against the Colts, he actually scored two touchdowns. Yeah. Which is pretty crazy. And uh, in order to get Strong on the active roster there, Michael Bennett was placed on IR with a pectoral injury. We didn't know anything about his injury until just prior to kickoff on Sunday. And now he's done for the year. He's a guy that, while he was a six-round pick and a guy that many believe was much better than a six-round pick in terms of talent. Mm -hmm. And he might be running out of chances to prove himself in the NFL. He has issues staying healthy. And when he is healthy, he's still not... He's still, you know, the fifth defensive tackle for the Jets. It was interesting to me how he, he got the nod over... Sheldon Day, who was a healthy scratch. Yeah. That was... I don't like it. That was an interesting I'm, I'm a much bigger day. fan of Sheldon Day than Michael Bennett, regardless of matchup. Okay. I don't really care. I don't, I don't know what the Jaguars don't see in Sheldon Day, because every time I see him on the field, in training camp, preseason, even in games last year, he can, you see the flashes of the big play potential. So I don't really get what was going on with that. But Sheldon Day doesn't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah. So so Jaguars get much-needed additions at quarterback and wide receiver, and they're both guys that you know who they are. You've heard their names before. If you follow the NFL at all, you know who they are. So it's pretty cool there. Now to pretty not-so-cool, Jaguars <laughs> versus Titans. What, did we, what, did, what are your biggest takeaways from that? We'll start with you. Um... Self-inflicted wounds, just penalties. I was so many penalties to start off a drive. Yeah. While you're starting first and twenty consistently right. in the in the second half. Right. It's it's almost impossible to overcome with a competent quarterback. You forget about it when you have a guy who's incompetent, like yeah. Bortles. Yeah. It's it's that's just the biggest thing is. Being able to play a clean game, and they haven't, they've had games of 10 and 9 penalties, respectively. They No, it was 10 in both games. 10 in both games. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I shortchanged them on the second one. I'm sorry, Jaguars. I won't do that again. <laughs> but um, it's just, it's something where you, you know, they're preaching, you know, we're going to be disciplined. We're going to, we're going to go out and take care of business. And it's just a lot of dumb mistakes. Yeah. With a team like the Jaguars that are going to be a low-scoring, grinded-out team, mental mistakes are going to kill you. You can have, I mean, five a game. Cut it in half. Yeah. And you're looking at a much prettier result. So we'll talk a little bit more about that as we get into the Jaguars-Ravens preview with the penalty situation. Uh, the Jaguars got dominated the line of scrimmage Mostly in the second half, at times during the first half. And coming from a team that dominated both sides of the line of scrimmage in week one so so easily, seemingly, against the Texans. And then just both sides of the ball falling flat on their face in terms of the lines of scrimmage against the Titans was really disheartening. But... Derrick Henry is a tough guy to bring down. He really ran all over the Jaguars' defense. Marcus Mariota was slithering in and out of the pocket, really hard to get a hand on him. It 
really, really difficult. And he is lightning fast. You forget how fast he is, but he will just sprint away from guys that you think are fast. He made Telvin Smith look really, really slow. On yeah, I was play. about to say, uh, Miles Jack had an angle on him, and he just he was able to hit the corner and, and get a couple more yards yeah. for a first down. He is a special athlete. He's a quarterback that's an athlete, not yeah. the other way around. But if he was just an athlete, he could still probably make it in the NFL because <laughs> yeah. he's just so good and so athletic. Yeah, I mean, it's... Clearly, Tennessee's got a better offensive line. It just the the pass rush was just neutralized. They got Completely. some pressure. Miles Jack got the only sack on the day. Yeah, which it was an effort. Got sack. the Jaguars to eleven sacks on the year, which yeah. is still first place in the NFL. But yeah, no, it's, <laughs> right side. It's it's a combination of a very mobile quarterback who got out of a lot of situations that more pocket passers maybe would have been more confined. Chad Henney would have been going down oh my like goodness. a ton of bricks. But it's a combination of that and just a, a good offensive line who is comfortable being able to run the ball and pick their spots to throw it because on the other side of the ball, they know we can't really do anything. So right. they're just kind of dictating the pace of play and we're having to play catch-up. Well, the Jaguars weren't even giving themselves a chance to do yeah. anything because of, like you said... The pre-snap penalties, holding calls, things of that nature just don't allow this Jaguars offense to get into favorable situations. And they have to be in favorable situations to succeed. They need to be in second and medium, third and short, third and medium situations to succeed on the offensive side of the ball. And that did not happen in week two. So what's our uh, what's our next thing here? Um... It was the game plan from the beginning of the season. Just run the ball. And you yeah. saw that some in the first half. Um, they, I forgot the ball way too much. Yeah. I think they got a little too cute and were trying to save Fournette for late in the game so they can really run down some yeah, tired defenses. Yeah, maybe next time you just try to uh, get some points on the board instead <laughs> of saving to We can't afford. We can't afford later. to take a chance of falling behind. We have to be able to put pressure on the team and make them push and kind of force the issue and hopefully that'll turn into turnovers. Correct. So we can get the ball back. And that's, I think, the game plan that they wanted to try on, but they they just got too cute with it. I, there, there's a clear difference between Leonard Fournette and Chris Ivory running the ball. He's got a different gear. He's got better vision. He can hit the hole... In he a can way, do that, all sorts. Of yeah, things. he can do seemingly anything you ask of him. And Chris Ivory, he he'll 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 give you a couple good runs, but mo- a lot of the times it's just he runs into a pile on the line of scrimmage and then just disappears. Yeah, and it's just it's you have to be able to rely on your feature back to start the game strong, carry through, and then rely on depth in the fourth quarter instead of just holding back your star player mm-hmm. in hopes that he'll be able to run wild in the second half, and we didn't even get the opportunity. Right. Right, and as soon as the Jaguars went down 13-3, to they abandoned the run, which I thought was a mistake. Uh, I think that they got outcoached clearly in this game. And, and it's, it's hard when it's first and 20 every, yeah. <laughs> every possession. They got outcoached, they got out-physicaled mm-hmm. by a good margin, and they... 
certainly did not win the mental side of things on in <laughs> this one. Again, the penalties killed their chances of winning. Uh, I said it last week heading into the game. If they commit 10 penalties again, they're in a good in a good tough game against good teams. They're not going to win, and that they did it again. So <laughs> there you go. Easy easy result to pick there. Uh, defense is not going to hold up if the offense can't do anything the whole game. They might be able to hold up for a half. They might be able to hold, be able to hold up for three quarters. But they are eventually going to give up a drive if the offense continues to not be able to move the ball at all. So it's going to be really interesting to see how things roll moving forward. You would think that the Jaguars, what they'll end up being is somewhere in between what you saw in week one and week two. But where on that spectrum of in between, we don't know yet. Are they closer to the team that can absolutely dominate undermatched offensive lines on the defensive side of the ball and on the offensive side of the ball, you know, actually create some push in the run game and get some things going? Or are they the team that just gets beat off the ball on both sides that you saw against Tennessee? And hopefully it's closer to the first, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, but this also kind of exposes the Jaguars of like, hey, Put nine guys in the box. Yeah. Force Blake Bortles to beat you because, honestly, he probably can't. Right. And that's that's literally – that's even uh, one of the Titans players actually said something. After, I think it was LaShawn Sims. No, it or was Logan Ryan. Logan Ryan said they clearly didn't have quarter confidence in their quarterback. Yeah. And <laughs> he's like, media knows it, everybody in the league yeah. knows it. So, it's true, obviously. So, the Jaguars will need to – a, be able to run the ball with eight or nine in the box. B, have Bortles be able to complete some passes when the defense gives it to him, which he didn't really do at all until, of course, the fourth quarter of week two. Now, I think that's enough just rehashing on the awfulness that was the week two loss to the Titans. Jaguars are still tied for first place in the division, so that's good. They're in a three-way tie, thanks to the Colts blowing their lead and losing in overtime to the <laughs> Cardinals. We'll get into the around the AFC South a little bit more later. But let's talk about the upcoming matchup. Jaguars versus Ravens in London. They're going to be playing 9.30 a.m. at Wembley Stadium, which is the Jaguars' home over in London. The Jaguars have won their last two games over there. In London, they beat the Bills in 2015 in a game that really should have never been close. The Jaguars had a big blowout going into halftime, and then the Bills were able to storm back. And then Alan Hearns was able to make a miraculous diving catch from a really great throw from Blake Bortles to uh, win that game. Following season, the Jaguars were able to hold off the Colts in London, Now they'll take on the Ravens in London, who they've taken on now for the fourth consecutive year they will have taken on the Ravens. You never see that too often from non-divisional opponents, but I think you're seeing it from the Ravens and the Chargers this year. Yeah. I know they've played the Chargers at least three years in a row. I'll have to go back and look if it was actually four. But it seems like these two teams are on the schedule every year, and it's really starting to create more of a rivalry. 
yeah, type it, of feeling to it if you're seeing these teams every year. It kind of reminds me uh, shades of the Steelers games, which I know they were old divisional opponents. Well, AFC but, Central, yeah. I yeah. mean, the Ravens were in that division too. Yeah. So, I mean, these it, teams it, are not unfamiliar with each other yeah, in if, terms of history, yeah, historically. It, if we were more competitive and they were maybe bigger, high-impact games, yeah. we would probably see more of an intense kind of rivalry feel to it. it right I think now, it's going to be really chippy this weekend. It And it's, it was chippy the last two be. years. It really was. Because I think uh, 2014, the Ravens were able to beat the Jaguars close game. 2015 is when the Jaguars <laughs> were able to go up to Baltimore Stolen. and steal a win after, I believe it was Elvis Doomerville, yep. got a face mask on Blake Bortles on the last play of the game. I think it was an untimed down for a kid. Yeah. So it just scooted the Jaguars into field goal range. And, my, I mean, yeah, excuse me, Jason Myers just drilled a really, really long field goal up there in Baltimore. And I think that didn't sit well with the Ravens, obviously. And then last year, 2016, you have Steve Smith on the Ravens going up against Jalen <laughs> Ramsey. They're talking crap to each other whole game, after the game, rest of the year. And it was really chippy. The Jaguars made some really good plays on the defensive side of the ball in the fourth quarter that looked like it might be able to earn them a victory. And the offense just could not get out of their own way. And... Uh, it was a loss for the Jaguars. So the Ravens have won two out of three, and that, of course, is two out of the last three seasons. All the games, like we said, have been really close. I expect this game to be a really close contest. Would you expect the same? Yeah. I mean, looking looking into it, de- defensively is really where the focus on both of these teams are. Yes. The, the Ravens... If you're just talking about defense, the Ravens might be off to the best start of any team in the league. Yes. It's been unbelievable, the stretch that they've had. But you got to look at who it, they've played. Yeah, yeah, correct. They played the Week Bengals. One, they played the Bengals, who couldn't put up more than nine points against the Texans, the team the Jaguars dominated in Week 1, and still have yet to score a touchdown. Mm. And then week two, they they go up against the rookie Deshaun Kaiser in Cleveland without uh, first overall pick Miles uh, Garrett. And Corey Coleman got hurt, broke his hand. Um, so take it with a grain of salt. But regardless of that, getting four interceptions in two straight games for a total of eight this year, plus and four they forced fumbles. Forced four fumbles going up against this offense, which has been turnover prone to say the least well to be fair under Doug Marone this offense has only been turnover prone in one out of four games so this is true we don't know what we're gonna get yet yeah we really don't it's still very fresh in terms of what this offense will look like on a week-to-week basis we know it's gonna be run heavy if they can control it and we know they're gonna try to limit Blake Bortles uh, possibilities at making mistakes, mm-hmm. but the Ravens are offensively talented too. I mean, extremely. Flacco, he hasn't been playing very well at all. He, I think, he against Cincy, who has a good defense, threw for like 120 yards and yeah. touchdown and a pick, and just very low yards per catch. Um, haven't really had much 
they've had a running game by committee. They don't really have a lead. Yeah, back and the right running now. game by committee has been working very well for them. Again, against the Bengals and Browns. And you say the Bengals have a good defense. Traditionally, we think that. And it looks yeah. like they have a good defensive line, but the Bengals have only faced Baltimore and Houston. Houston. So we really don't know what what they have there either. Plus, the Ravens have this is their first trip over to Yes, uh, this England. is the Ravens' so. first trip to London. So the Jaguars have the advantage there decidedly as they've been there. They've got it down. <laughs> I think this will be their sixth straight season in London. Oh, wow. Because prior to the Bills in 2015, they had the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, they had the 49ers. And they lost those first two games over in London. So, yeah, Jaguars have a decided advantage there. They know the routines they want to do. Doug Marone, who, while he is the new coach, was an assistant coach with the Jaguars when they went over to London the two previous years. So he's done it. Most of the players have done it at least once. And the guys that haven't done it are leaders that really shouldn't need to uh, have too much experience in going over there. You know, Barry Church, Clayus Campbell, guys like that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, as, as you said there, the Ravens' offense hasn't been very impressive as impressive as the eight interceptions are by the defense, equally unimpressive <laughs> is the amount of catches that Baltimore's wide receivers have hauled in this year, which is the same number as the interceptions <laughs> on the defense side of the ball. Eight. That's mind blowing. Like yeah. that 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 does that doesn't even seem possible. A because of how, how many interceptions there have been and how just how few catches there have been. Now they've 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 thrown a lot to tight ends and running backs, um, but on a whole, it's just their offense hasn't really been that effective. And yeah. they've been in they've been in the lead. You know they were up twenty on the Bengals, so they probably didn't have to really force the issue and throw the ball a lot. But even then, against this defense, they're probably going to have to throw the ball a little bit. So it it opens up some opportunities because Flacco. Coming off of injury, getting older, hasn't he's shown signs of maybe falling off the past year or two? Yeah, and he hasn't had a ton of uh, ton of weapons, but mm-hmm. they've got uh, Jeremy Macklin now. Right, they have Mike Macklin Wallace. and the Mike Wallace, Perryman, whenever the hell he's healthy, <laughs> and. Yeah, you like those guys, but if Jeremy Macklin's your number one receiver, you don't have one of the best receiving cores in football. Yeah. And who knows what Mike Wallace is going to give you? I mean, it, yeah, he might on get a week one to or week two basis. Deep. You don't know what you're getting from him. If it's not a big play, it's probably not Mike Wallace. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that ain't me. That's what he said. Exactly. So yeah, getting back to penalties, the Jaguars' offense is going to struggle to score points, likely. They cannot have pre-snap false starts. They cannot have holding calls. They can't have any offensive penalties and really hope to stay in contention. I mean, I think the Ravens or the Jaguars' defense might be able to shut the Ravens out. I don't know. But the offense has just got to be able to at least move the ball. Yeah, and then. Get a couple first downs a drive at least. You know? Yeah. Don't don't run three plays and punt. As long as you can have 
if one of your worst drives is like a seven play, four minute, three and a half minute drive, or, or even even somewhere around there, it, it it brings a little bit of pressure off. Obviously, you'd like to have and you'd like to have a ball control offense to where you're just you're having a ten to tw- ten to fourteen play drive, just pounding the rock down the field, eating up clock. But the more you can have success on one side of the ball and and give the guys a breather, it it not only helps them to you know get some energy back, but it also provides a jolt when you know, hey, the other guys are taking care of business. Yeah, absolutely. And you you clearly saw in the last game that as soon as the offense was just absolutely dismantled, the defense went with it. Yeah. They really lost a lot of energy in the second half the defense did. So, again, the Jaguars have 20 total penalties this year for 188 yards. And you're giving the other team 90 yards a game. Almost 95 yards a game. You can't do it. You absolutely can't do it. And both of those numbers are the second worst in football. Only the Steelers have more penalties and more penalty yards. So, obviously, that's something the Jaguars are going to be emphasizing this week, you would think. Uh, Moving into a pivotal game where the Jaguars can start the season 2-1. and And then travel to New York to play the Jets, who everyone expects the Jaguars to beat. If the Ravens, if the Jaguars can find a way to beat the Ravens, yeah, they should be sitting at three and one going into Pittsburgh with a lot of confidence Ooh. in Week Five. That's definitely, that's definitely something with a team who I think won three games last all of last year to get those in the first four games would be massive. Huge. Just boost of confidence. Yeah. And while we said the the Titans game was one of the was probably the most important game the Jaguars have played in half a decade, this game is equally as important. It just shows you where we are as a franchise. It's just we're on it's almost to a tipping point. Yeah. We're all, we feel like we're on the verge of really be growing into something. And we just keep hitting a snag right at the finish line. And that snag has a name, it seems like. Like portals. Yeah. But, I mean, man, it just, it, it just shows the importance of this and, and even next year as far as we have a window of something that could potentially be really special. And we, in the NFL, those do not last long. Yeah, there's no question about that. So, obviously, the Jaguars need to cut these penalties probably in half in order to really, at least on the offensive side of the ball, in order to keep some drives going, keep the defense fresh, and really compete to win this game. Sticking on the offensive side of the ball, the Jaguars, like we said, they're going to be rolling out there with Alan Hearns, Marquise Lee, Keelan Cole, Jalen Strong and Aurelia's been at wide receiver. Do these guys step up against Brandon Carr, against Jimmy, Jimmy Smith. Smith, and obviously Eric the Weddle. talented safeties, Oof. Weddle, Jefferson, Ladarius Webb? That's tough. It is tough. Yeah, that's tough. It really is. I think that the Ravens are going to load the box. I mean, 
who wouldn't at that's, this point? Yeah, that's the blueprint right now. So, can Hearns and Lee win one-on-one matchups with these guys? Yeah, I mean, even even last week, there was a couple plays. Hearns beat his man yeah. handedly, and Blake Bortles almost threw a pick. Yeah. Adoree Jackson, I think it was, just straight dropped it. Yeah. If he would have put it a couple yards further downfield, it's a touchdown. So, I mean... Touchdown for the Jaguars. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's very, very important to clarify that when Blake Worlds is involved. But, I mean, if, if the, the, the team is go- if the opposite team is going to load the box, you have to be able to punish them and go deep with it. And somebody, I don't care who it is on this list, throw out a name. They've got to be able to step up and make it. I mean, play. I care who it is. I want to see Hearns and Lee do it. <laughs> yeah, Alan Hearns is getting paid. Marquise Lee wants to get paid, and he was a second-round pick with first-round talent. Let's see these guys do something. Yeah. I, well, I mean, and but they had decent numbers last week, but a lot of those came in the fourth quarter when the game was already out of reach. Garbage time. I want to see first-half first downs. Yeah. That's what I want to see. If they could throw the ball to themselves, maybe you would. It's not all on Blake Bortles, though. We are going to give Blake Bortles a hard time, and he deserves it. But he's put the he's put the ball on the money several times there, this there year. Have been There's drops. been easy drops. There's no question about that. But I mean, if 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 one team is going to give you the entire back half of the field, you've got to be able to take advantage of it at some point. To make I think them this is a off. week that these receivers might be able to get some of those chunk plays that we haven't seen a lot of. You know, you've seen Hearns and Lee in past seasons both be able to get big chunk plays downfield. Mm-hmm. So you'd really like to see some of that. You know, Cole has the ability to get behind the defense. Can he hold on to a ball if he gets <laughs> deep on a nine route? Will they even try to send him on a nine route because they're worried about if he gets wide open, does he catch the ball? These guys need to step up. And while the Ravens' safeties might be the best in the league, I do not think their cornerback group is really that strong. Jimmy, Jimmy, Smith, Jimmy Smith is pretty good. He's pretty good. But I don't believe that he's better than even maybe Aaron Colvin. Yeah, he, he would be competing for our third corner spot. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then you look at Brandon Carr, I don't love him either. No. Yeah, he's not great. I think that the Jaguars receivers have to take advantage of those mm-hmm. guys, and I think that they have the ability to. We'll I, just see if it happens. Ideally, we we want the uh, the start from the Eagles game, the Chad Henney Eagles game with Alan Hearns rookie season, yes. where he gets two touchdowns in the first half, and we don't yeah, talk about the second half of that game. That put Hearns on the map right <laughs> yeah. there, no doubt about it. So. Cam Robinson had a really great week one. Great week one. Yep. Threw people around like ragdoll. Week two, <laughs> not so much. Brian Arakpo, Scott's boy from Texas over there. All right. He's yeah, yeah. I like him. I like him. Not so much now. <laughs> but I was. I, I, he's, he just wreaked havoc on, he's a, he's on a the man. Jaguars' backfield, and Cam Robinson did not seem to have an answer for him at all. Yeah, there's. I mean, he's he's gonna have trouble at times. I mean, it's his first year in the NFL. To have a, a rookie who doesn't struggle is a generational talent. Um, I I think we'll see more good than bad this year. Obviously, 
because well, he's got well, all the Matt powers to be right able now. to. <laughs> Are we going to see more good than bad this week when he matches up with Terrell Suggs? Who, as we all know, is one of the best pass rushers probably of all time. And has at least one sack and one forced fumble in each of the first two games. Yeah, but how effective is a guy going to be going into his 23rd season in the NFL? (laughs) (laughs) It seems like he's been around forever. Yeah, it's funny you say that. He actually is going, this is his 15th season. Wow. So he has been around quite a long time. But No, he's... He's still a freeze. He's, yeah, he's, t- he's still T-Sizzle. So Ooh. Cam Robinson is really going to be tested there. You'd, you'd like to see maybe Mercedes doubling up on that side, something like that. Give him a little J.J. Watt treatment. You look at Terrell Suggs, who he went against the last two weeks. Again, he went against the Texans, who we saw what the Jaguars were able to do. Or, excuse me, not the Texans. The uh, Bengals, which you saw what... The Texans were able to do to the Bengals on the offensive line. The Bengals' offensive line did not look good against the Texans. No. And then the Browns, I mean, they have one of the better tackles in football, one of the better lines in football, but Suggs was still able to go get home against Kaiser. It'll be really interesting to see if Robinson can hold his own against that guy. Because... You hold your own against J.J. Watt, Whitney Merciless, Jadavian Clowney. That's awesome. You get absolutely schooled by Brian Arakpo. You don't want to see that. This is third round, third test for Cam Robinson. He, he didn't see anything like this in, in at Alabama. No. You might see one of those guys in, in, in a year if it's a good year. Yeah. And he's, look at the guys he's going up against week in and week out. Yeah, it shows so. you how hard it is. On a rookie, there's no time to relax. Yeah, you're right about that. Now, switching over to the defensive side of the ball, specifically the defensive backfield, A.J. Boye. I feel like 80% of his coverage snaps, he's just played flawless. But the other 20%, he's gotten called for penalties <laughs> or given up some big plays. He gave up a 42-yard bomb to Taiwan Taylor. Uh, that really broke the Jaguars back in week two. Yeah. And he's gotten four pass interference penalties, or three pass interference penalties, one defensive holding or illegal contact or whatever. But four coverage penalties, all of them lead to first downs. Some of them cost the Jaguars getting off the field. He needs to, he needs to play better. Yeah. More consistently. And, I mean, he's... Getting picked on probably more than he has in his career no because question. he's on the other side from Jalen Ramsey, who so was he's... only targeted once last week. <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, just from sheer quantity alone, it's more than he's had to deal with. And the more opportunities a wide receiver has against him, the more likely that let's say if he's getting targeted half the time, that's half the penalties. So if he gets called for one or two, if he gets called for one pass interference or holding a game, you can probably live with that. But just the sheer volume, it just seems like it's always going to him or Colvin. Yeah. I mean, regardless, you've got to be able to, 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 to cut it out as far as being grabby. You know, I mean, you know penal- what you can get four away Four penalties with. equals his penalties from last season cutting yeah. coverage. Yeah. 16-game season. He, I, he was probably thrown away from a ton. 
but I mean, he's it's it's he's picking up a new offense in or, uh, offense. He's picking up a new defense. Um, there might be some slight differences in, in in philosophy as far as what they want their corners to do. I still think he's got all the talent in the world. I think he's going to be able to bounce back from it. But I do too. He, but he needs to do it. Yeah. And ideally, in a game where the Jaguars really need a win, three and one is a lot better than two and two, and that's assuming the Jaguars beat the Jets, which there's no guarantees in football. Yeah. So this is a pivotal game for the team, no doubt. So let's get into some injury talk. The Jaguars were without Brandon Linder, Tashawn Gibson, and Laurenti McRae in practice today. But you'd think that Brandon Linder would be good to go because he's dealing with the same injury he dealt with last week and he played last week, which is a knee. Uh, Laurenti McRae is a new thing. He He's dealing with a knee as well. Tashawn Gibson is dealing with an ankle. You really don't want to see Tashawn Gibson go down uh, and not be able to play in this one because, frankly, behind him you have Peyton Thompson, which you like him as a backup, but you like him as a backup. Exactly. <laughs> not as a starter. So you really want to see Tashawn Gibson get back out there. You want to monitor his status this week moving forward. Uh, Jalen Ramsey was limited in practice. He has an ankle as well. That's no surprise. Still expect him to play this weekend. Malik Jackson has something going on with his groin. He was limited in practice today. And other than that, the only other person who was limited in practice was Jalen Strong, the addition from Houston, obviously. He has a hamstring, but he was limited, so he got in a little bit of work. Uh, other guys on the injury report that were full participants in practice, Blake Bortles with the right wrist we mentioned before. Uh, Alan Hearns was a full participant as well with a shoulder injury. So, you assume Malik Jackson's going to be able to good to go. He was limited. You obviously have to have him. You know, in any game, you just need yeah. to have Malik Jackson out there. Uh, Brandon Linder, you really got to keep an eye on. You think he's going to be fine. But if he's not fine, the Jaguars do not have Luke Buenko anymore. Their opponent this week has Luke Buenko, and he might actually be starting for, which is a great segue, uh, the Ravens, who lost their best offensive lineman, Marshall Yanda, to a season-ending injury. Uh, what did he... I believe it was an ankle injury, a broken ankle. Yeah, he suffered a broken ankle, and he's on season-ending IR. Luke Bowenko might start in his stead, so wow. that would be a real shot for Bowenko to get back at the Jaguars, but also a chance for the Jaguars to take advantage of a lesser opponent. Yeah. Which is certainly something that this defensive line has shown the ability to do, and they should be able to do against a Ravens team, like we said, that doesn't have a lot of star power on the offensive line besides Marshall Yanda. Ronnie Stanley is a young guy at left tackle they like, obviously. But other than that, you've got a bunch of uh, non-name guys. So Yeah, they just... Was it... Uh, they just lost their... Was it their tackle? Was it Wagner? Billy Wagner? Oh, in free agency? Yeah. Yeah, I can't I remember the left. first name. Then he, he, he got 
um, he obviously was thought very highly of. So, I mean, that's, that's a big blow in, its, in itself and having to replace that. But, I mean, they have to be able to show maybe not the same 10-sack performance in the first season, but show that they can consistently get pressure. Yeah, I would say you'd really like to see them get at least three sacks in this one. Yeah. You really want to see him get back on track. Especially against an immobile Joe Flacco. <laughs> right. They got to get after him this week. And that'll help limit the big plays. And that'll also help maybe create some turnovers. Get the offense some favorable field position. Uh, so that pretty much does it. Oh, no. That does not do it for the injuries. What am I saying here? Brandon Williams, the Ravens' best Defensive tackle, nose tackle. He looks like he's going to be out for the Ravens. Uh, Terrence West, he was not a participant in practice today. He's one of their running backs by committee over there. He might not be able to go. Max Williams, their backup tight end, might not be able to go. So they're dealing with a lot of a lot of big injuries themselves, and their injuries appear to be a bit more serious than some of the Jaguar ones. So if they're without... Brandon Williams at nose tackle. That should really allow the Jaguars, assuming Brandon Linder plays, to get out there and run up the middle with Leonard Fournette and Chris Ivory and really just... Hey, that just happens to be the game plan. Establish <laughs> so, their will. Hopefully, hopefully that will aid in that department. Absolutely. That does do it for the injury portion of the show. We're going to move into around the AFC South. <clears throat> The Titans host the Seattle Seahawks, 4.05 p.m. Sunday on Fox. I believe that's the national te- nationally televised game on Fox that week. Titans versus Seahawks. What do we think about that matchup? I think Russell Wilson might get killed at some point. Yeah, the Seahawks offensive line oh my is goodness. really, really bad. Titans obviously have at least an above-average defensive line. And Seahawks just... Beyond their offensive line, their offense has been pretty incompetent so far this I th- season. I think they won thirteen to nine against the Niners. Yeah, I mean, good. it's you, the Titans have to be favored in this one, and I, they and they most likely are. Um, I would hope that the Seahawks can pull it out. They have they clearly have the players on defense to do so. But look at last weekend, we have an excellent defense, and our offense couldn't get it together. Right. So it might just be more of the same. you got to like Russell Wilson a lot more than you like Blake Bortles. Yeah. With no <laughs> offensive line, it's tough for any quarterback. He just looks like a man running around with his hair on fire in yep. the backfield. He no just doubt. has no time to throw the ball. But, yeah, I mean, looking around the league, the AFC South just seems so weak outside the Titans. And there's been a lot of – actually, there's a lot of hate. Not hate disrespect going on i saw uh pro football focus actually put out a power ranking uh-huh. and i believe the jaguars were the lowest in the afc south below even houston and the colts we were 28 that is in the league. really really interesting it's not bizarre. sure why you would think either of those teams <laughs> is going to finish better than the jaguars this year the, the Bengals finished ahead of the the texans the uh, Rams finished below the Colts. I think I would still <laughs> rate the Bengals higher than the Texans. I get that because you got to think that Dalton 
will end up being better than what he has the first two weeks. Maybe. This isn't the quarterback you've seen the first six years or so of his career. He also doesn't have an offensive line like he used to. That's but true. No, Andrew Whitworth. Regardless of that, it was just it just it, it was one of the craziest power rankings I'd ever seen. A team yeah. that lost like forty six to nine was ranked above a team that has one more win than them. Yeah. Pretty odd stuff. No doubt about it. It's crazy. But I mean this might be the most depressing game in the NFL this this season. Colts versus Browns. My it's goodness. It's definitely not one of the more exciting ones. Obviously, that's going to be a 1 o'clock start. Yeah, and it's going to it's gonna feel like eight hours, I feel like. Or it's going to be one of those games where it's the craziest game of the year it could be and fun, wacky yeah. stuff happens. It could be fun, you know. Deshaun Kaiser's got that arm. Yeah. I don't know what positive to say about the Colts. <laughs> Maybe Marshawn, uh, not Marshawn Lattimore, uh, Malik Hooker. Yeah. We'll make some plays. Yeah. Um, it just, if there's another game on, watch watch that. <laughs> watch the other one. Anything. No doubt about it. Now the final AFC South matchup this week. Texans at Patriots. The Texans, they've been playing the Patriots a lot lately. They've lost their last three contests to the Patriots. Uh, man. Do they have any shot at going into Foxborough and beating the Patriots? Do I have any shot of going into Foxborough and beating the Patriots? <laughs> you can go with the middle. No. Uh-uh. I, it's, it's, it's not going to be close. Deshaun Watson rushes for 200 yards. Three touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, about, that's about all they're going to be able to do. Um, no. They need I to mean, give Deontay Foreman the ball more. I agree. Lamar Miller just doesn't seem like the same guy. Um, it's hard to, I mean... With behind that offensive line, but Foreman Foreman's got that juice. Yeah, he's 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 had some flashes this season. I would agree. I think as the year goes on, you're going to see him getting a lot more carries. Um, just they, man, they got to be able to do something. They they played Thursday night against the Bengals, and I watched all of that miserable game, <laughs> and it was it was just ugly. There was one good play. In that game, when it was Deshaun Watson's, I think it was a 60. Yeah, I watched that whole game, too, and it was just like, why did I just watch that? (laughs) God. I really thought that to myself after the game. (laughs) What was I thinking? But no, Patriots. For the last three hours, what have I been thinking? I mean, (laughs) yeah. So, I mean, the the Patriots should beat the Texans. Um, Browns have a shot at beating the Colts. I don't really see a reason... Who are you picking Titans-Seahawks? I would have to lean Titans because they might not have as good a defense as the Seahawks. Their offense is infinitely better just from the strength of their O-line and the playmakers around them are comparable to Seattle's. At this point, I would take Doug Baldwin and uh, and uh, Jimmy Graham and those guys yeah. over. Delaney Walker's good. He's pretty good. But I, I think mean, Doug Baldwin's the best player out of all of those guys. I, I, would, I would agree. Yeah. But, yeah, I would I would probably take the Titans. I don't want them to win. I'm going to be rooting for the Seahawks. But if I'm putting money on it, I'd probably bet Titans. Yeah, this season your head's telling you Titans for sure. <laughs> but do we really think the Seahawks are as bad as they've looked? We'll find out. Yeah. 
We'll find out about that. I'll, I'll take the Seahawks in that one just for fun. <laughs> we can root against each other, yeah. even though you'll I'll be, be rooting happy. with you. Yeah. I'll be I'll be hoping I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. Colts Browns. I would take the Browns. Yeah, root for the underdog. Is, uh, it, is there an underdog there, in that game? I have not game? looked at the line. I don't know how you could pick either one. There, it just, there just is no line. Vegas just isn't taking bets on it. Yeah. Texans at Patriots will both obviously go with the Patriots. Yeah. Now, we'll predict the score for the Jaguars-Ravens game at the very end of the show. We've still got two small segments, the PFF Minute and Keep One, Let One Walk. PFF Minute, pro football focus, still not paying us for this, but that's all right. Alan Hearns, he was perfect in week two. Of course, it was a little bit too little too late. A lot of the, the yardage was picked up later in the game after, after the score was a little bit of, out of reach. But he was targeted six times. He came down with six catches. And Bortles had a perfect quarterback rating when targeting Hearns last week. So maybe look Hearns' way a little bit more this week. I don't know. Maybe do it before the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah. might, that might be good. Jalen Ramsey. Allowed zero catches in week two and was only targeted once. Again, that goes back to A.J. Boye getting a lot of targets, but that's he, pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, he, he good. <laughs> he, he's real good. Teams are just not even throwing his way. They're just like, that's, no. That's awesome you can just shut down a quarter to a half of the field. Yeah, depending on where he's lined up. Yeah, for sure, it's great. PFF didn't feature us too much this week, so that's all we've got. It was, like, actually a PFF minute this time. Yeah. Usually it's, like, PFF five or ten minutes. But fine with us. No big deal. PFF just hates the Jaguars like everyone else does. <laughs> Keep one, let one walk. We'll be doing one Jaguar versus one Raven. Barry Church, Tony Jefferson, both were strong safety free agents this offseason. Both ended up with new teams. And both were major upgrades over what the two teams yeah. had prior. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, at the beginning of the offseason, I, I think you had brought it up first, hey, that about actually having Tony Jefferson as one of the big-time free agents we should go after. Yeah, he was one of my guys. I really like him. He's a, he just explodes to the ball. Yeah, not the fastest guy. More, more game straight speed. line, he's not. Yeah, he yeah. does not look slow. And, the, and Usually in game settings, there's times where there's one-on-one situations where he can look slow, yeah. but it doesn't usually show up. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, it happened early on in, in, in free agency. It looked like things were leaning Baltimore's way. We never really got in the conversation. And it unfolded. Baltimore eventually got him and made one of the better safety pairings in the NFL. Um, then this guy, Barry Tritz, comes along. No one's really ever heard of him. He's just some dude from Dallas. Just I would say no one's heard of him. Well, <laughs> he's not an... Um, Probably um, most Jaguar fans hadn't exactly, heard of him. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I hadn't really heard of him. I was like, who, who is this? It was just one of those kind of second-wave free agent signings where you're like, all right, sure, whatever. But, you know... Looking into it with the play that he's had last year that I, that I saw, the play that he's had this year from the preseason to the last couple of games, already made a huge impact. Um, I would say he's a bit better in coverage than Tony Jefferson, but not as good as a run defender. 
Um, although all still a very very solid run defender. Yeah, in his own, no doubt. Um, he just doesn't really. Uh, he don't, he wouldn't appear on the old Sports Center or uh, NFL Live segment. You got jacked up. Too. Yeah, he makes good solid tackles. Tony Jefferson, it looks like, is running through yeah. his targets. He's much more uh, a physical, just kind of uh, a, a big hitter. Um, I, I actually tweeted about a little video about how well he reads the flats and how quickly he reacts and gets gets to the player and actually wraps up, mm-hmm. unlike we've seen in the past. So, I mean, in today's NFL, give me the guy who can protect the pass a little bit better. Give me the guy who's wearing a Jaguars uniform. <laughs> and give me a guy that I've been preaching about. And since, since we signed him, Barry Church, give me, give me the Church man. Give me Barry, yeah, Barry Church. I mean, it's it, it's a tough one for me. I'd lo- It helps that Tony Jefferson went to Oklahoma, and I could easily disregard him. <laughs> but I, I mean, yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go with Barry Church on this one. Just for the sake of argument, I'll go with Tony Jefferson. Younger, more explosive, in my opinion, more potential for creating turnovers. Yeah. And he's exciting. He's just exciting to watch. Yeah. <laughs> Barry Church is awesome. I love him. And yeah. if I had to do a trade right now, one for one, I probably wouldn't trade Barry Church just because you know what you have here with him. Mm-hmm. You like what you've seen from him. But if I'm starting a team from scratch, I'm probably taking Tony Jefferson over Barry Church. Valid. Yeah, who who was the, who was the two last week? Last week we did. You're putting me on the spot. Who was it? Um, oh, Cam Robinson, Taylor Vaughn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the uh, answer was pretty obvious last week. Who you take? Yeah, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, <laughs> they got the Cam better Robinson's on that a one. rookie. Taylor Lewan, he's a vet now and he's a big time player, but. Yeah, no, I mean, they, they, they neutralized the pass rush. I mean, he's proven us wrong. <laughs> Whatever. We'll see, you. <laughs> we'll see you in a couple weeks. That's right. There's no doubt about that. Now for the grand finale. Score predictions. What do we got? Baltimore, Jacksonville, London, Wembley Stadium, 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning. Who, achieves vict- who emerges victorious? Oof. I was all on the bandwagon. I bought in. I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to go 16 and now. <laughs> 72 Dolphins, eat your heart out. Then Sunday comes along, the Titans come in, rain on my parade. I'm not going to let that slow me down, Jordan. Good. I'm not going to do it. Good. That's what I like, like to hear. We've been solid in London. We've been kicking, kicking ass and taking names. It's going to be ugly. These are two very offensively deficient teams at times. I think we have more of the capability of imposing our will than they do. I think like, we have... Like, you think the Jaguars' offense has a better chance of imposing their will running the ball against the Ravens' defense than vice versa? I think the Jaguars' running game is the only thing, only thing on either offense that is capable of dictating the pace yeah. and, and just the style of play. Yeah, I agree, and I mean, when you look at it, no Brandon Williams. That's certainly going to help out. Assuming he, the he's middle. not going to play. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, a lot like the earlier game, the the game last week. You nailed it right on the head. Here, I'm gonna take 21-17 Jacksonville. 
I think right. we're going to get a couple touchdowns. We might, we're going to get a couple turnovers, maybe a defensive touchdown. I don't know. Hey, how about it? Um, we're going to, I think they, I want to limit the turnovers, but it's likely to happen. So if, if Blake Bortles wasn't the quarterback, I might pick them a little bit lower as far as points-wise. But I am anticipating having to deal with some turnovers and just the sheer amount of offensive snaps that they're going to have. They might put some points on the board. Yeah. So I'm 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 gonna give it's gonna be a close one, just because of how similar they are at, at this time the two the two teams. But yeah, give me Jacksonville twenty one seventeen. All right. I too, Scott, am going to take Jacksonville. I will not let week two's debacle slow me down in believing that this run game is for real and that this defense is for real when they're not facing the best offensive line in football, likely. Jaguars 16, Ravens 12. Oof. It is going to be like odd score. It is going to be like low one of scoring games. games. But I don't think the Ravens are going to score an offensive touchdown. Very possible. I could see them getting four field goals. But I'll give it a caveat. That's probably not the most likely scenario. My other scenario is the Ravens score an offensive touchdown. A field goal and a safety. Oh, I was gonna say Clay's Campbell blocked extra point. Oh yeah, we could do that too. <laughs> How about two offensive touchdowns and two blocked extra points? There you go. Any way you want it. <laughs> Absolutely. I just I don't think the Jaguars are gonna score a lot. They haven't really shown the ability to score a lot on the offensive side of the ball. Even week one against Houston, the offense wasn't it wasn't uh, flashy by any stretch of the imagination. They got the job done running the ball. I think they can do that again. You know, potentially get two touchdowns, a safety, potentially get a touchdown and three field goals and a safety, you know. There's different ways for this team to score the ball than there has been in years past, it seems like. Seems like the defense could really have a shot at putting points on the board for the Jaguars this week. Start them in your fantasy leagues. Yeah, they're definitely a team that I would say to start in fantasy football this week. They screwed you over if you started them last week. But I, I would imagine they're still one of the top-ranked fantasy football options on the defensive side of the ball just based on the sheer dominance that they put up in week one. They were the best uh, fantasy football defense in week one. Only one that compared was the Rams, who scored two touchdowns in week one yeah. on the defensive That's side crazy. of the ball. So, yeah, Scott's got Jacks 21-17. I've got the Jaguars 16-12. We'll see what actually goes down on Sunday, obviously. If you want to watch the game with us, come out to Brick's Tap House. We'll be there at 9.30 a.m. There's free brunch while supplies last over there, or while the food lasts, I suppose. And it's going to be a good time. Drink specials all day. They always do $4.00. Name it, you name it on Sundays, so that's always a fun time. Last two years, we've done it. We've won. Yeah. I think we're going to do it again this year. I think they're going to get another W. I think they're going to even up the you know, four, the, the fourth game between the team in the last four years. I think they're going to even it up, get the record to 2-2 two and two between the Jaguars and Ravens over the last four years, oh, do you- get the Jaguars record to 2-1. and one. What's that? Do you think they're going to have crab cakes 
out there? They gotta have crab cakes. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really care though. I mean, that's I, what Maryland does. I know Maryland <laughs> does. Fo- or, excuse crab me. cakes. Crab cakes and football. That's what Maryland does. Thank you, Bradley Cooper. But I just, I, I don't really care if there's. Regardless, crab cakes. it's gonna be good. Nine thirty a.m. is a little early for crab cakes for me. You get a crab cake Benedict. Yeah, that's you can up. do that. You can do that. Uh, I, I think I'd probably rather just go for some eggs and bacon. Mm. Maybe some hash browns. I don't know if that's going to be a thing. I don't even know what all is on the menu, but I know it's a new brunch menu. It's going to be awesome, and it's free. And you get to hang out with us for a few hours, watch the Jaguars win a football game, <laughs> hopefully, and then enjoy the rest of your Sunday. So make sure to check us out, Bricks Tap House over there. Follow Scott Klein on Twitter, at ScottKlein1. You can follow myself, at Jordan DeLugo. Make sure to check us out on GenJag.com with all the latest news analysis, videos, podcasts. You name it, we got it over there. And thanks for listening to us. If you are on iTunes, please leave us a review if you enjoy our show. Make sure to subscribe. Make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud as well. We really appreciate all the feedback everybody that supports us and we really appreciate those who listen even after games like the Jaguars had last week. Yeah. You're the real MVP. It's re- it's really hard to look back, watch the game again, do research for something that you know you're going to just it's it's not going to be fun to talk about. Yeah, it's not, no doubt about it. And a lot of the previewing of a previewing of a game following such a game like the Titans loss when you're previewing it, you're looking back at, oh, what did the Jaguars do last week? They played like crap. So it's not fun. But overall, the Ravens have not played a good schedule. They played two weak teams. Jaguars have a strong defense. What should be a really, really strong defense. What should be a strong run game. Ravens shouldn't have an answer on either side of the ball, in my estimation. So again, we'll take the Jaguars, both of us, let us know what you think. Send us messages on Twitter or tweet at us, at Generation Jag. And have a great weekend, Duval. Enjoy it. Enjoy the Jaguars' victory. Come see us at Bricks Tap House. And we'll talk to you guys next week after the Jaguars come in at 2-1 and one and prepare to face the New York Jets in New York. All right, guys. Have a great day. Thanks so much for listening to the GenJag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Online at GenJag.com. Twitter at Generation Jag. Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. Block and teal all day. We'll catch you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.